Hello, and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the student accounting show. The occasionally educational podcast that proves you're not totally alone in your ACCA journey, even when it feels like it. I'm Eddie, LendSignal's Head of Content Marketing, and this is Alan, LendSignal's Head of ACCA. In this week's podcast, we're going to chat to you about exam technique. Uh, if we do end up talking about anything useful, which of course we will, uh, we'll put it up on our website at lendsignal.com forward slash podcast. So everybody's thinking, exam technique, exam technique, no, it's so boring. <laughs> I've heard it all before, I've heard it all before. Um, but I, 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 well, I why aren't you doing it then? Yeah, because every <laughs> single time you read the examiner report at the end of the exam, nearly every examiner points out problems with exam technique, problems that the student didn't follow something, that they were given guidance to do this and they didn't do it, that they're asked to do it this way and they didn't do it. It was mentioned in the last report and not another, enough of them fix it. It's, it's great. It's the odd exam report you see. Last time I mentioned a comment to tell students to do X, Y and Z and they did it and it was great. And usually that's followed by and more people. You can almost see them like on their knees sobbing, yeah. like yes, students yeah. have finally listened to me. And it usually finishes with and more people passed. It usually finishes. Yeah. It usually shows an increase in the pass rate, and you just kind of go, oh, like and people who get in their forties and they think, oh, it's just a bit more knowledge. It's just practicing more questions. Um, and I've talked to many people in the ACCA about this. I'm convinced it's exam technique. If you get into the forties, <laughs> you've got a lot of knowledge, and you probably have more than you you probably got the opportunity to show in the exam. Um, but it's unlikely that you've like let's say you got forty five. It's very unlikely you've answered just forty five percent of the paper perfectly, and the other fifty five percent you got zero. It's usually that communication with the with the examiner. It's usually that whatever way you presented your answer just didn't give you the opportunity. Maybe you ran out of time and you didn't get to finish your property. What happens time and time again is they'll get, you know, three quarters of the way through a paper and they're sitting on 47, 48 and the examiner's thinking, great, brilliant, this person's going to be on for the pass. And then they turn the paper and you run out of time and you finish the paper on 48 because you didn't answer the last two questions. And that that happens a lot. I have this badly, well, when I say it's badly researched, it's kind of, it's always my, my own experience comment. And that the amount of marks that you get for starting a new question versus the time, that the amount of marks that you get for finishing the last one. So if you spend, mm-hmm. oh, I know everything about this topic, I'll spend an extra 10 minutes on it. Um, but there's only so many marks you get per question. So let's say it's a 20-mark question. You're probably due to spend about 35 minutes on it. And at 40 minutes, you're going to, oh, just a few more things because I know everything. The chances are at that stage, you've got your 15 to 17 out of 20 marks. You're probably not going to do better than that, no matter what you do. But the first few minutes, even if you don't know a topic very well in the next question, those early minutes of each question is when you maximize the marks. And the longer you answer a question, the less and less marks that you're getting. And it's it's amazing the amount of time from say, oh well I knew three of the questions really well, so I didn't do the other two and I thought I might pass with that. So imagine the simple logic of yeah. just saying, Okay, so I have there's five questions in an exam, they're all worth twenty marks. Let's keep it really simple. And I did three out of twenty. 
that means to pass you need 50 marks out of 60 that you've just like given 40 marks away it's not they don't kind of say oh there are three really good answers so we'll give you some of those marks that should have been for the other questions you can only <laughs> get so many and, and like getting 50 out of 60 which is what getting 80 something percent in at a full exam is a very very tough thing to do and it's all of those marks you've missed out on so to be honest i get very frustrated when people and students talk about time in an exam mm-hmm. you know the time you're studying for weeks on end you've done multiple exams time management shouldn't be a surprise to you now but yet i'm not just talking about people who are starting their journey who are doing the earlier like performance management or the first tax paper or something like that and they're surprised well, you still hear people doing their strategic professional exams so either they've done the earlier papers or they've done um, they've got prior qualifications so they must have done big exams somewhere in order to get exemptions and they're surprised by the time and, and I, I don't understand uh, I don't understand why in a way that that's such an issue um, you just have to be really, really disciplined. I used to have a, mm-hmm. I used to bring in a watch and I used to leave it on my table. And when I got, let's say there was 30 minutes for a question. When I got to 30 minutes, if I still hadn't finished, I left a page, I stopped mid-sentence. Because you, yeah. you don't lose marks for stopping mid-sentence. I, I left another page and I started the next question. If I had time at the end, I went back to it. But I was fully convinced I would get more marks in the long run by sticking to the time and doing as much work on that question for the time allowed. And we we do, we recommend people as soon as you get into the exam that you you work out how many marks you have for how long, you, how many minutes you have per mark and how many, uh, so how many minutes you have for each part of the question. And just write that down so you know, because as Alan says, if you start going over, yeah, every minute extra you spend on a question you really know is a minute less you get to spend on a question that really could have used the extra time because you didn't know it as well. Um, so write that down when you get in there, calculate it. And it should be the first thing you do so you know you stick to it. And I know that like one thing that's not freaking people out, but especially in the professional papers and in some of the, um, I, I guess, to an extent in the way the papers are being designed in the other levels, um, there's less and less choice in the exams. So the professional papers don't get any choice. Now, they, all have, they have to do everything that's on the paper um, in all of those exams. And in one way, that's a good thing because at least you're not spending time making a decision um, and you just get on with it. But just because you know, have no choice in the questions that you do, you always have a choice in the order that you answer them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what students forget. So always start, oh, I like question four, it's my favourite question, but I'll start at question one. And by the time you get to question four, you might not have the time to devote to it or you might be just that little bit tired or a little bit beaten down because some of the other questions haven't gone well. So always start with the question that you're strongest in. So if question four is a question that you think you can do really well and get the most marks in, well, start with that question. And it also builds mm-hmm. up confidence. It helps you relax in an exam. And it'll, it'll help you with the other questions then because you've got through one. Now you've got less than three or four to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a much better way of doing it. So you do have... You do control how you do your exam. You might control what questions you have to answer, but you do control how it happens and the most efficient way of doing it. And the, the questions aren't too long. They, they aren't. You just have to decide 
what approach you take to answer them during that period. That's all. Well, and another important aspect of time management is yeah, how how you actually work that moment from when you open the paper right through to the end. Because I think that's, you know, you re- you, it's important to read it all through first. You do know which questions that you should should address first or maybe know which areas you're confident on, know what's coming up. But that becomes particularly important when you're at strategic business leader, for example, where the questions kind of interrelate. So something you don't have to repeat yourself. You you can refer to something in one question in one answer and then you can refer back to it in another answer so that yeah you want to be reading them all through so you know the places you're already mentioning certain things so you don't have to waste time saying them again um because that's another aspect if you endlessly repeat yourself you'll run out of time there's just not time to do that well i think it's a if you compare it to if any of our listeners and I, I know i use sport a lot as an example but if you look at somebody taking a rugby penalty or a diver standing on top of a 10 meter board or whatever ridiculous event they dive from. Um, <laughs> and people kind of, what are they, why don't they just put the ball down and kick it? Why don't they just go up and, and, and dive in? But what they're doing is they're, they're planning what it's going to look like. They've decided that it's going to be successful and they're imagining them doing it. And I think an exam is no different. Before you go into an exam, before you take your seat, you should already just spend a couple of minutes thinking, okay, I know how many questions are coming up. I know roughly know the format. I know how much time I have. I know how much time I'm going to spend planning. I know for the 20 mark question, I know I have whatever, 36 minutes. And just, as you said, I think go in and write that down and then that's your plan. And and then, and then it's about executing. It's about kicking that ball between the posts or diving from the 10 meter board um, and, and doing it the, the best you can do it and like just go in mm-hmm. with your plan it's like runners in a race they don't all plan to run the race you have some people who sit at the back who do it their way some people who run at the front and they kind of go well the fastest I can run I'm trying to make people as tired as possible so hopefully I can be still in the front at the end but whatever it is your plan have a plan and, and just go in yeah. and execute that. Don't start doubting yourself in the exam. Is this the right approach? Just go in and, and come up with a way that works for you because you've practiced so many questions and, and, and basically implement that plan and be so sure before you go into the exam, you know exactly what you're going to do. That actually on that. So one one thing it's worth talking about is how how much do you need to write? How do you know how much you need to write for the marks? Because it's not just uh, you know a question of time. You have thirty minutes to get X amount of marks. It's also how many points do you need to make? Um, so the guidance the ACCA give on that is it's good to assume uh, one mark for one point. Mm-hmm. But if that's really well developed and you've uh, gone on to talk about consequences of that point or uh, you know why that matters what happens next what the kind of causal relationship is to something else then you can get two points for that but you want to be working on the assumption you know for 10 marks you'd want to be writing 10 reasonable points that are probably one to two sentences each yeah and i think that's the big thing about like oh what do i write for three marks what do i write for five marks what do i write for 10 marks And, and students can get a little bit caught up in that and where you should actually have all those questions answered is in the amount of practice that you do before the exam. So mm-hmm. if you have practiced um, questions, and like what we do, we do a lot, our tutors write a lot of solutions um, for our students. So when the 
if you take a question and you practice it yourself and then you compare it to the tutor solution. So for 10 marks, did they, did they basically list or write 10 kind of quick points uh, for the 10 marks? Or did they write uh, five points but develop them and get five by two rather than 10 by one? Um, I think the closer you go to your professional exams and when you're in your professional exams, it's more likely to be the five by two um, that not only do they want you to make the point, they also want you to develop the point a little bit to an extent that you, as you said, the consequences, that they've given you a little case study, a little scenario, and they say, okay, here's the answer, and now apply it back to the case study or the scenario you've just, you've just done. Um, but that all comes from the practice. That, that should, that, that nearly, by the time you go into your exam, you should have practiced that, those questions so often that you shouldn't even think about it, that you should kind of instinctively know Okay, 10 marks. I'm doing a strategic professional paper. They don't want me to list 10 points in a strategic professional paper. It's not a memory test. They want five well-developed points that relate to the scenario they've given to me. And you just have mm-hmm. to get into the mind of, of, of where you are. And if you crack that... And like, maybe but I think also you, you want to be honest with yourself about how developed that point is. So particularly the strategic professional, I think it's, it's really valid that you'd want five developed points, but you're, you know, it has to actually be developed. There's a point is in five words and a full stop at strategic professional level. That's not enough for one mark. So, you know, two sentences of five words each isn't enough for two marks. And um, so you're not, there is a level of depth that you're looking at here that's not just super short, brief answers. Um, although succinctness is important and you will see that uh, the kind of high performance scripts for most papers tend to be shorter for that reason. But mm-hmm. it's not, um, you know, it's not blah, 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 dot, blah, 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 dot. There you go, two marks. That's, no, that's not what, really t- what we're talking about. It is, a, it is a discussion point, I think. And it's hard to put because like people write in different sizes and they write in different lengths and different ways. But you're probably looking at a small paragraph. Maybe I've really small handwriting, so I might get away with three lines. But you might be looking kind of three to five lines of relevant, and that's the important word, of relevant content. So um, make your point, but then straight away say why that point is relevant to the scenario, to the situation, to whatever. Because in all the professional or strategic professional exams, you will get um, some scenario. It might be a three-line scenario. In the case of SBL, it might be a 12-page one. But you will get some scenario. And they haven't written that for no reason. There's content in there. So when they're asking you to, to for five points about this or that, it's they've given you, a, again, they're pointing you in the direction. So... So take that direction and always relate it back. If you can't relate it back, it might be relevant. So don't just write down, oh, they're using, I don't know, this model or that model, and here's five really good reasons why to use that model. Because those those five reasons might be relevant for that company, and maybe only three are, and there's other things they have to think about. So, But if you just provide theoretical, here's five good reasons why, you might get a few marks, but you're not really going to do very well. 
Yeah, the ACCA give um, some important kind of signpost phrases, which you can use, which would show you're developing a point or referring your point back. So the ones they give are, um, you know, this indicates, this means, this is important because the impact of this is to address this problem management need to. So it's that, that you're you're extending your thought back to uh, talk about the scenario in a way that's combining the scenario with your theoretical knowledge and so using phrases like that are how you can be sure you are doing that correctly yeah there's a phrase going around that i i i'm not saying i came up with it but it's used a lot more and it's application over regurgitation mm-hmm. so it's not a memory test they have especially in strategic professional it's moving more and more away from what you remember it's about applying what you understand to a scenario And if you're just going in, if you have just got in and swallowed notes or swallowed a book, but you haven't spent time trying to apply it. And again, it comes down to like, you get a lot of students who are spending three or four weeks getting ready for an exam. There's no way you can let all that information sink in and then really apply it in an exam. There's always going to be a few people that will prove me wrong, but I think on the whole, um, that's not going to work for everybody. And I think it's really important that you spend time doing this. And I know time is hard, um, and we've talked about that before, but you have to spend time. It's their professional exams. They they require professional application, and that just doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen from a book. It happens from practice, and it does happen from you sitting there sometimes staring at a bit of a blank wall thinking, okay, I've no clue what to do. Well, start somewhere. What might I do? What's a good idea? And then just develop it. And you'll get faster doing that, definitely. Oh, I just, um, to jump back slightly to the number of the things you want to write for a point, I just found, I knew I had this somewhere, an example that the ACCA gave for strategic business reporting. Um, And so they gave um, an example of a point, it's worth one mark. So they gave uh, one short sentence that didn't get the mark would be, uh, John is acting unethically because he's asking Lucy to ignore IAS 23. So that didn't get the mark. The one that did get a mark is IAS 23 requires borrowing costs are capitalised only if set criteria are met. John is acting unethically because in order to increase profits, he's asking Lucy to capitalise borrowing costs that require to be expensed. So it's that it's that extra layer of depth. He's just given only one more sentence there, but it's saying this is my background knowledge. This is what the scenario needs. This is why I'm making that point. And it's not about telling the examiner everything you know about that accounting standard. It was taking the one important line from the accounting standard that ties into the scenario given. Mm-hmm. And that shows the examiner reads that one line, and go, okay, this person knows. This person knows exactly what I'm doing. So I don't have to get them to write 15, 20 lines, three pages of this IAS to prove they understand it. That one line. Yeah. That one, And the examiner is just sitting there going, great, there's a mark. And there's more. And they've given an opinion. Great. Well, and I think that the frustrating thing as well, if you look at that first one, whoever, yeah, the person writing that knew what that accounting standard was because they knew enough to say, you know, this is why there's unethical behaviour in the situation. And that comes back to something we said last week. If you don't develop the point and say the obvious, you can't get the mark for it. And so that person had the knowledge and their exam technique let them down. They didn't pick up a mark for something they knew. 
and and unfortunately the that group of people are the ones a lot of the time as probably an example of somebody who's sitting in that 40 something range um that is convinced that oh i got 45 the last time i don't need to change much i just need to get to 50 and uh, it's it happens so often that people fail exams and the second time they fail exams is they get a uh, they get a mark even lower and they're confused and and it is that whole thing well you failed the first time and all you've done is you've worked harder at doing it the same way as the first time and i think if you don't you you need to kind of learn from um, I guess your mistakes. So if you failed an exam, um, start again. Don't be thinking, oh, I've only got three more marks. And I've done it. I, I remember exams when I might have done that. Oh, I only need to get three marks better the next time and I will have passed. Um, but those three marks, if you don't understand why you lost them, you can't understand how to get them. And I think people think, yeah. I can study a bit harder. It's it's that, that exam. And again, that example that you just gave is a perfect example of describing the between a 40 and probably a 60. And the person who wrote that second answer, and they may have had the same knowledge, but the person who wrote that second answer, if they continue that trend, are heading 60 and above. But the other person, unfortunately, is probably sitting somewhere in the 40s frustrated because they have spent so much time yeah. and possibly could have spent a lot more hours studying than the person heading into the 60s. Yeah. But they, ha- they have understood the requirements and they've read the examiner reports and they have looked at some of the answers and they have, they have I, I guess to an extent, it's a terrible phrase, but played the game to an extent. Yeah. Because, okay, well, well, what do I need to pass this exam? Um, what are they looking for? What are the what are the boxes that they're, they're looking for me to tick? And the main one is I need to give a view that ties back to the scenario at the end of every point I make. And this this is all available. I think I think that's the thing as well. Students constantly go in and, and don't know this stuff and are still failing on, as you say, 40s, which is the most frustrating thing. Yeah. Um, and the ACCA have made all of this information available. I mean, that isn't an example I made up off the top of my head. I mean, there's a whole exam's worth of them where they talk you through exactly what enough to gain a mark was and how you gain two marks and how they would have answered it. You know, there's not... Um, it's not like you're stabbing in the dark here and hoping to get a pass. There is this stuff out there. It's just a case of going to find it and putting in the time. Uh, and I guess realising how important it is. You know, I think maybe students don't don't understand how important that is compared to the technical content and that just, you know, really knowing the, the syllabus will get you through and it won't. And whether it's us using or other tutors or other people or other study methods, like we can only do kind of so much for you like when I look at um, somebody said well what's the what's the amount of or how does a student split up all of their um, their work for an ACCA topic so I reckon probably about 30% um, of passing an exam is the the knowledge they get from let's say lectures mm-hmm. um, probably another 30% is the knowledge they get from a tutor sitting down with them, no matter what the media is or how they do it, a tutor sits down with them and goes through let, a question. Let me guess, 40% is this podcast, right? 40% is this, well, this, <laughs> this podcast, plus, plus all of that independent work, all of that understanding what's a good exam paper, all of that reading the ACC articles, understanding their topic, understanding the examiner, reading the examiner reports, practicing questions hour after hour. 
um, and, and just and you kind of it's this whole thing about like you're doing professional exams you have to take responsibility to an extent mm-hmm. and you have to take personal we can only do so much um, and believe me I think every tutor in the world would like to do would like you to pass the exam um, but we are limited with how much we can actually do well, and we've said that before. There's some some students still have this belief that you know the ACCA are out to get you, or you know it, it looks good for them if they're really hard. It looks better for people, the few people that pass, if it's really hard and loads of people fail. The ACCA are desperate for more people to pass. Yeah. They would love every single student that took the ACCA to pass first time. It would be the best possible thing for their brand and business, um, and they're doing as much as they possibly can. And people just aren't using the information that is there and i think if you just start using that a little bit more if you spend a little bit more time um thinking Mm -hmm. and a little less time trying to remember the book and its application if you can apply your knowledge to the scenario given it's not going to be perfect every time but if you take that approach is that you give one line to show your knowledge and then a little explanation to show how you're applying it if you just answered every single question in your strategic professional papers in that way, um, I believe you'll pass the exam. Yeah. Well, it's something we've, we've said before, you know, people think of the ACCA exams as, well, exactly that. They're the ACCA exams, but really it's training. It's your professional training. So they're, it's designed to upskill you in a way that boosts your career and helps you in the workplace and all of those things and you aren't going to get forwards in your career or in the workplace if you can't relate your knowledge back to scenarios in a meaningful way um because that is yeah in a nutshell your job description um so it's that learn to do that and it's not the acca's job to make your life easier and it's not any employer's job to make your life easier so it's about taking that and the minute you understand that that taking that responsibility will make you successful the more successful you are, the quicker you'll start earning better money because you'll be qualified quicker and won't be repeating mm. exams and won't be paying the ACCA exam fees and not earning what you're capable of earning because you're still doing the exams. So um, I hate to turn it around on, on you guys listening, but it is kind of... We, we <laughs> you say you hate it. but, no, but I, that's, that's me politely saying it's it's kind of, we can only do so much, but it really comes down. And there'll be tutors out there saying, oh, it's because of the tutor you passed. It's very rarely because of the tutor you passed. Um, it's because of the tutor you've taken the right approach. Um, but it is because of the work you put in is why you passed. Um, so yeah. I would... Like start taking that approach and start... and you decide right now. Yeah. yeah, as you're listening to this right now, you decide what your attitude's going to be. Whatever exam it is you're facing, whether it's you know the first accountant in business or you're looking at SBL, yeah, whichever exam it is, you decide right this moment if you're going to pass or fail in how you approach it and how seriously you take it and the work you put into it. But feel free to always say that you're inspired by Alan and Etty, if nothing. Oh else. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I think we'll leave that one there. Then we've we summarized. On that phases. note. On that note. Um, so, guys, I hope this helped, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.